as we come to this Good Friday, continuing along the walk of the Holy Triduum, today we, with Christians throughout the entire world, commemorate the death of our Lord for our salvation, that our God loves us so much that he died for us. What, what, what greater love? Uh, he, he said, and we reflected a little bit um, yesterday in his line from the Last Supper. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Our Lord lived this. He didn't just say it. It wasn't, our Lord didn't, um, say one thing but then hold himself to a different standard or expect like no i'm too important for that like no 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 our lord goes all the way for us he loves us and he loved us to the end that's actually how john's um passion begins um with the if you consider the last supper part of the beginning of the passion as it is john begins that Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Our our Lord loves us to the very end. It's not just a quick start and then whatever. And that today, on this Good Friday, we can reflect on loving to the end, to the very end, to to not lose steam to not give up midway. We had a good start uh, in the Christian life, but you know, whatever, let's, let's be reasonable now. Let's just tone things down a little. No, love to the very end. Our Lord loved us all the way. And so we can meditate upon this love that he has for us, that he showed for us particularly um, as he loved us to the end, all the way uh, Christ became obedient for us, even to the point of death, death on a cross. He became obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. So we may live. His death is our ransom. It's the price of our salvation. He pays the price for us today. Today's the day. Today we celebrate the day when our debt for sin, all of our personal sins, was paid by our Lord. And he atoned for each one of them personally. He knew them personally. Every sin we have committed, every sin we will commit for the rest of our lives. Our Lord personally saw these, personally atoned for them, individually, with his great love, loving us to the end. The church... In the liturgy for today, we pick up where we left off yesterday. Um, we left our Lord praying in the, in the Garden of Olives and praying to the Father that this chalice may pass. It's the Father's will, let this chalice pass from me. And we hear our Lord, uh, St. Luke tells us, sweat blood, uh, that he was in such anguish 
And that that's a, that's a real medical phenomenon that someone in times of extreme stress, that is a, a reality that someone could sweat blood. Um, and that our Lord is in just such anguish um, that his, his human, our Lord has two wills, and his human will is always perfectly subjected to the divine will. But there's still in humanity, there's something that I don't, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to, I don't want to die. It's a very natural um, will. That's part of our, our animal nature even. Like, I don't, I don't want to die. Um, but out of love, Father, your will be done. Your will be done, not my will, but your will be done. Our Lord perfectly subjects, his human will is perfectly subjected to the divine will. When they come to arrest our Lord, they come with lanterns, torches, and weapons, um, as if those are going to do a lot of good. I think sometimes when we try to oppose our Lord in different ways, in our own sins, we think, like, this is going to do a lot of good. All right, let me get, let me get a torch. Right, that's gonna. If I'm going to confront the God of the whole universe who's holding me in being, man, I better have a torch, right? And how foolish is it when we um, pick up weapons against God as if they're gonna do something? Um, no, God's in, the, He's in the driver's seat uh, through this whole thing, and even it just shows, right? There's uh, right at the beginning of John's, um, at the chapter 18, what we'll read for the liturgy today. He goes and says, whom do you seek? Who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. Ego eimi, I am. That's the divine name. That's the name that our Lord revealed um, to Moses uh, on the mountain in the burning bush. I am. And when he said this, um, when he said, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. This this scene, it's always so captivating for me. I know I've preached about it before in this Lent, but it's so captivating that it's it, just one word and boom, they're at, they fall to the ground. Our Lord is in control. He, um, he allows this to happen. He can stop it at any time, but he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, there, there are things that we suffer that we can't stop um, and we have to undergo them. But the ones that we can, I can, I can stop this at any time. But I'm going to undergo this for love. I'm fasting today. Look, I could go. I could go, you know, eat some food. We still are not allowed to eat meat today uh, and still are allowed. It's the universal law of the church. We are still only allowed to have one normal meal and two small snacks on this Good Friday. It's universal law. I, I could go thaw out some chicken and have that whenever I want, but I'm not going to. Um, I can, but I won't. I'll offer it out of love. Uh, offer it in obedience. And so our Lord can put a stop to this whole thing. Um, but he doesn't. He chooses not to. Now, Peter, um, Peter who said, Lord, I, I'm ready to die for you. I will, I will die for you. I'll go to prison and die for you. Peter now here takes out his sword and he cuts off the... Um, he strikes the ear of um, the slave, the high priest slave, uh, whose name was Malchus. 
right? Now, I don't know if he was if he was aiming for his ear or if Peter is as bad of a swordsman as he is, a fisherman as he is, so many other things, um, you know, but he cuts off his ear and he's ready to fight. Like Peter, Peter wants, wants to fight uh, for our Lord, uh, but our Lord doesn't, that's not it. No, no, no. Put your sword back in its sheath. Uh, shall I not drink the chalice which the Father has given? Our Lord, he heals the ear of the high priest slave. Um, that he, it's a very beautiful point that even going into his passion, these are the people that are arresting him. And our Lord heals one of these men who's come out with lanterns, torches, and weapons. He heals him. Um, he, he shows his love, even to those who persecute him, who are persecuting him, who are leading him to death, he heals him. Um, the just tremendous kindness of our Lord. And, um, and so then they bring him before the high priest, and our Lord has this whole trial. Um, and they say the charge they end up bringing against him is he said he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, he didn't say that. That's false evidence. Our Lord said, destroy this temple. Meaning you, if you destroy this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. But they charge him that he said, I will destroy the temple. They, they warp his words. They, um, and they were looking, they, in Matthew's account, it says that they couldn't find anyone. Um, they, they, they were asking for witnesses and, and they couldn't find any. Uh, Noah, it, it wasn't, here's our Lord. He went about doing good. He spoke publicly. And so they couldn't. And finally, they got these, these scoundrels who, um, who testified. This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. Um, so he, um, yeah, that's not, when our words are twisted, and even if we are judged and condemned because of a twisting of our words, again, we can identify with our Lord, loving all the way to the end. It's a very painful thing to have something we say taken the wrong way. To have someone uh, we, didn't, we didn't intend, clearly we didn't intend it that way. It's not what we said. Someone takes it the wrong way. We love with our Lord all the way to the end. When our words, when our intentions are misinterpreted, misrepresented, when people read evil into when we're trying to do good and they scorn us because of that. Now turn it back to St. Peter. Peter stays outside warming himself as this is all going on. So this trial is going on by night and it's cold. Um, and so Peter, Peter wants to stay outside um, by the fire and he's, he just wants to, to keep himself warm. And so that, I mean, there, what's he looking out? He, he should go all the way with our Lord. He should be close to him. Um, but no, no, he, there was a fire kindled in the middle of the courtyard. This is from Luke's account. And Peter sat among all those who were just hanging out by the fire. Right? He's more interested right now in staying warm. He's, he's willing to follow our Lord, but at a distance. And following our Lord at a distance never works. 
if we if we follow our Lord at a distance, then we're going to be more interested, like Peter is, in our comfort. We're going to stay by the fire. We're going to stay comfortable. Not going to go all the way with him. Not going to go into the lion's den, into the trial, being there with him. No, no, we're going to be interested in our comfort. We just stay at a distance. And then a maid, a girl, little girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, said to him, this man was also with them. And he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. Like, here's a little girl. And she says, hey, you were, you were with them. Uh, now this is Peter. I'll go to jail for you. I'll go to prison. I'll die for you. And this little girl says, hey, weren't you with him? No, no, I don't know him. He, that's, he denies our Lord. He, he's afraid. He, Peter was willing to go out in a blaze of glory. Peter was willing to fight with our Lord to the bitter end. And I, I believe he was. But Peter wasn't willing to subject himself. At this point, Peter is not willing to be handed over. He's not willing to really imitate our Lord by going all the way, by even being willing to be put to death unjustly for him. He wants to go out with a fight. He's not willing to go out with that greater fortitude that's required to accept injustice. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And then here's a detail that um, a lot of people don't see. Then at an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also is with him, for he's a Galilean. Jumping to Matthew's account, he says he began to swear and curse. But that hour, like just to think an, an hour, Peter... It denies our Lord two times. But because he's at a distance and because he's interested in his comfort, and a whole hour goes by, and he doesn't feel a thing about it. Right? He's already denied him two times. And he doesn't feel anything. And a whole hour passes. He's sitting there in his sin. When we follow our Lord at a distance, when we are interested just in comfort. Well, then our conscience grows cold. Peter's body may have been warm sitting by the fire, but his conscience had grown cold. He denied our Lord twice, then waited an hour before the third time. He didn't feel any guilt at all. Just sitting there warming himself at the fire. After the third question, Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Our Lord made being let out from the trial, being led to Pilate at this point, looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, before the cock crows today, you will deny me. And he went out and he wept bitterly. If our conscience has grown cold, if we've grown lukewarm in the practice of the faith, if we've been interested in following our Lord at a distance, if we're interested in just our own comfort, if our, we're not accusing ourselves of those, those faults and failings, 
We need our Lord to look at us. We need to look at him. Catch the gaze of our Lord. Let him look at us with love. And then we too should weep bitterly over our sins. Shouldn't beat ourselves up. Once we've been forgiven in confession, like our sins have been forgiven. But if there's things that our conscience has grown cold that we're not accusing ourselves of, weep bitterly over sin. When we sin, when we fall, should get back up, go back to our Father. But there should be an element. Have I wept over my sins ever? Did I ever cry for all those offenses that I committed against God? He's still so good to me. Still, still loves me so much. After the, the trial of the Sanhedrin, they lead our Lord to Pontius Pilate. Pilate, who was the, the Roman authority. And... They did just think there they are turning God over to die. And John tells us that they themselves didn't enter the praetorium so that they may not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Like just how backwards is this? And how backwards can it get sometimes when people uh, focus just on the externals of of religious practice? They, They are turning over an innocent man to death that they know. And in a deeper way, they probably don't know that this is God. They're turning over their very God into the hands of the Gentiles. They at least know that he's been doing signs and wonders. But they're not going to enter the praetorium because they don't want to be defiled. They want to eat the Passover. right? How, how much can we betray our Lord in the midst of the world? Can we hand him over? Can we, um, then with total hypocrisy though, we keep our religious practice. Um, we keep the externals, um, but we don't um, we don't follow them internally. And so Pilate entered the Praetorium and called Jesus and said to him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" And now I love John's Gospel. Um, many different times, just kind of turns into I I kind of see it like a tennis match where it's just conversation. And the, the scene kind of fades away. It happens with the woman at the well. It happens with, um, with our, the blind man, the man born blind. Uh, the, our Lord, the scene kind of fades away. And our Lord is just having this one-on-one conversation. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord? What did others say to you about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would, be, would fight. That I may not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said to him, so you're a king. And Jesus said, you say that I'm a king. For this I was born. And for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who hears the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? Pilate, who's supposed to uphold the rule of law on behalf of the Roman government, what is truth? Falls into this terrible relativism. And our Lord says, everyone who hears the truth hears my voice. Right? Everyone who hears the truth. Like, the truth is the voice of God. 
And Jesus is the truth. And so even like the truths of, of science, all the one truth, uh, the physics, you know, and, and the laws of creation, they're the one truth. And if we pay attention to them, we hear the voice of the Lord. But Pilate, as a civil authority here, has forgotten all that. What is truth? When our government leaders abandon natural reason and deny that there is a truth, and how much do we live in a time? Uh, and I think that this whole crisis of the coronavirus is brought, there is a truth. The truth is, this is deadly. And this is, um, we, need to, we need to help keep people safe, particularly those who are the most vulnerable. We can all, can all, hopefully, I mean, there's even still some debate about that. Like, just look at the facts. Live by, by the truth. Pilate, government leader here. Um, what is truth? Pilate hands our Lord over to Herod. Um, Herod is in town, so after his first interrogation, Pilate, trying to get out of this, um, he may be a brutal man. He can put people to death, sure, but he's trying to get out of this. He's weak. He's a coward. He's maybe, you know, probably a bully who on the inside is a coward and he's, he's afraid and he's not willing to do his civil duty. Innocent men should not be punished for crimes they don't commit. Innocent men shouldn't be put to death. There's a rule of law which needs to extend to all persons. And I mean, particularly this past week with the Supreme Court decision in Australia about um, Cardinal Pell. And regardless what people think of Cardinal Pell, a unanimous Supreme Court decision saying this man, this um, should have been acquitted and has spent over 400 days in jail. The passion of our Lord lived right there in the life of one of his priests, George Pell. Cardinal, the Cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church. When our civil authorities abandon truth in favor of, you know, uh, what the crowd wants, what's expedient, um, they show their weakness. And so now he tries to get out of it. Let's send him to someone, send him to Herod. Herod's in town. Let's send him to Herod. And Herod was a buffoon. Um, Herod was just interested in the spectacle. Herod wanted, he wanted to see Jesus out of curiosity. He wanted, he wanted a miracle. Make me some of that wine. I heard it was really good at Cana, right? Um, he, he's, he's so taken over by, by just the physical, uh, the desire for just physical um, pleasures. He has no temperance. And so uh, our Lord is, is handed over uh, to Herod. But throughout, um, our Lord does answer Pilate a little. He does answer the chief priest. Throughout the mockery of his trial, our Lord is silent. Later, he answers the questions put in by Caiaphas and Pilate. But to the fickle-minded and impure Herod, not a word. This is from St. Jose Maria's Points for Meditation on the Way of the Cross. To the fickle-minded and impure Herod, not a word. So depraving is the sin of lust that not even the voice of our Savior is heard by him. If there's so much resistance to the truth in so many places, 
Keep silent and pray. Mortify yourself and wait. Even those souls that seem lost, that seem most lost, retain to the end the capacity to return to the love of God. Our Lord doesn't answer Herod anything. He's so caught up in just the sensual. He doesn't have the ears to hear it. To hear it. And so, um, answers him nothing. And not in the Mel Gibson's depiction of the passion. He doesn't even look at him. Keeps his eyes shut the whole time. He just looks at the one um, slave there in the in the court who who responds with true um, repentance. You can see it's so beautiful, but our Lord doesn't doesn't look at Herod even a little bit. Um, so so debilitating is the sin of lust. When he sent back to Pilate, again Pilate now now Pilate kind of more more desperate. Um, the Jews now start crying out like, you know, he made himself equal to God. He said he was the son of God. Um, and and Pilate's afraid. Um, and so when he heard this, he was even more afraid. And he entered the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? And again, now Pilate says, it's a stupid question. And our Lord is done answering stupid questions. Where, where are you from? Let's have another small talk. No, at a certain point, the small talk with our Lord ends, and it's time for action. Either you're going to do the right thing, or you're going to do the wrong thing, right? The time for, like, let's just keep talking. No, talking ends, and it's time to act. Where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. If we're going to stay at the Herod level, you're going to get the Herod answer. And Pilate says, do not speak to me. Do not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you. And now Jesus answers him. Now we're talking You'd have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Our Lord extends to Pilate uh, a mercy here. You'd have no power over me if it wasn't given to you from above. Our Lord is still in control. With one word, they could all drop to the ground. He could, uh, he's holding them in existence. Again, our Lord, because he's God, is holding them in existence as they do this to him. Pilate sought to release him, but he was afraid. And so finally, um, he said to the Jews, behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. When we, when we read the Passion in a liturgical setting, we're all able to, to, to shout, crucify him. That's what I said every time I sinned, crucify him. With every sin, every time we consent to sin, crucify him. Pilate says, shall I crucify your king? And they answer, tragically, God's own people, we have no king but Caesar. We have no king. This is God's people, his chosen people. We have no king but Caesar. And the church authorities bow to the civil powers. When we let the world set the tone for the church, we have no king but Caesar. I, what do we want? We want popularity. We want praise. Public esteem. We have no king but Caesar. And they took our Lord out to crucify him. And he carries the cross, and we've meditated throughout this Lenten season upon 
the stops along the way of the cross. And through it all, our Lord is loving all the way to the end. And he gets to Calvary and they nail his hands and his feet and they raise him up on the cross. We should look at the cross with such great love. And now this Good Friday, we should renew our love just looking, looking at the crucifix, having a crucifix in the place where we work, having one in our home, always looking at the cross with great love. Our Lord is wounded for our salvation. He gives himself entirely for us. Um, and the prayers that he prays throughout the way, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Amen, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise when the good thief says, but just, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's it, that's all it takes. Even in the last my whole life lived in dissipation. But Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's um, a line from St. Augustine. It's at the beginning of the movie Calvary. It says, do not, do not despair. One of the thieves was saved, but do not presume because one was damned. One of the thieves is saved, but we shouldn't presume that we're going to make some deathbed conversion. No, 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 because one was damned. One lived this hatred all the way to the end. And so um, we need to pray to our Lord. And right now, Jesus, remember me. If I've been kind of holding out, going the wrong path right now, Today, right right here in this meditation, say it to our Lord. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The wounds of our Lord. To pray with the, the wounds, our Lord's, our Lord, his hands and his feet and his side are wounded for our salvation. His blood pours forth for us. Um, and he, his, in his wounds... Uh, we can find a tremendous consolation of prayer in Saint Jose Maria um, began to really pray with the with the wounds of our Lord um, in a deep way, and he wrote to um, his friend Juan Jimenez Vargas. Um, he wrote a letter that as he was on his way to the monastery to do his prayer, he discovered a new Mediterranean, a, a new horizon uh, of prayer. The holy wound of our Lord's right hand. There I was all day long kissing and adoring. How truly lovable is our God's sacred humanity. Pray that he grant me this true love to completely purify all my affections. It's not enough to say heart on the cross. If one of Christ's wounds cleans, heals, soothes, strengthens, kindles, and enraptures, what wouldn't the five do as they lie open on the cross? Heart on the cross, oh my Jesus, what more could I ask for? I realize that if I continue contemplating this way, I'll end up crazier than ever. Try it out yourself. To contemplate our Lord's wounds, to be there, we pray in the Anima Christi to, within your wounds, hide me. Intra vulnera tua absconde me. Hide me, Lord, in your wounds. That we should pray um, and love that our Lord was wounded for us. 
these are wounds of love. It's not, it's not of um, regret, but of love. The holes in my Lord's hands and feet and side are for me. He, he allowed himself to be nailed and crucified and pierced for me. And then comes the moment. Consumatum est. When our God dies. That he loved them all the way to the end. It's not like, okay, he suffered enough. He suffered enough. He's been mocked and beaten. He's been ridiculed. He's been the victim of injustice. His friends have abandoned him. And consumatum est. It is finished. It's consummated. This is the consummation of what began last night at the Last Supper. Consumatum est. This has been consummated, finished, completed. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And our Lord expires. He breathes his last and he gives up his life. That, that breath, the ruah, his spirit. He, he willingly dies, um, gives up his, his life into the hands of the Father. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It is consummated. And bowing his head, our Lord dies. God dies for us, for you and for me. Today, this Good Friday, we need to walk these moments with our Lord and contemplate them and be with him. And we shouldn't do it alone. Uh, rather, our mother is there the whole time. We should turn to Our Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows, the Blessed Virgin Mary, our mother, she stood by the cross, stabat mater, by the cross, standing by the cross, was Our Lady. And if we go to her and we pray with her, then she'll teach us how to be at the cross of our Lord, how to love the wounds of our Lord, how to suffer with our Lord to the end, how to give everything. Stabat mater. Mary, we ask you to help us, Mother to love and to live the passion of our Lord. And to today, this Good Friday, enter into it in a deeper way, this passion one for our salvation.